Okay, hello listeners. Uh, usually we start Legends in Review with like an opening bit where I tell Ari like something weird and then we wait for Ari to react and we pretend that's comedy. Um, but this week I thought that since it's the uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, I would give a little bit of history. Currently, there are 567 tribes and 229 Alaska Native communities in the United States. This recognition is not extended to Native Hawaiians, um, but they have been petitioning for that recognition to be extended. Currently, one-third of Native Americans and Alaska Native communities are living without health care, even though they can opt to get health care through the Indian Health Services. Um, but IHS is really underfunded, and so their uh, suicide rate is the most common cause of death for Native and Alaska Native teens ages 15 to 24, and it is two and a half times the national rate for that age group. And currently, only 51% of Native Americans in the class of 2010 graduated from high school. So I wanted to put that out there because um, this holiday weekend really sort of covers up a part of American history that should not be covered up. It has devastated um, communities of people. And if you want to help out, um, there are some really great organizations. You can look into the First, uh, First Nations Development Institute, the Native American Heritage Association, and the Native American Rights Fund. And those are all um, charities that could really use donations, especially during this holiday season. Help out if you can. Uh, let's go into the episode. was really sweet and genuine um i didn't know you were going to do that i uh don't have any charities on hand but i saw something that i thought was important a while back which is if you are non-native an important thing to do is if possible research the tribes that were living where you yourself if you are american are living now and try to understand a little bit more about them and if there's any local involvement you can participate in as an ally that might be worth looking into understand that you unless you are native american were not the first people on this country not quite continent but you know what i mean if you can't always reach out um through donations the most the best you can do i think is to educate yourself and be aware of whose land that you are living on I think, I think ultimately the best thing you can do is listen and educate yourself. Donate your time or your money whenever possible, but if that's not possible for whatever reason, um, the, the, it, you owe it to yourself and Native Americans and just society to keep your listening ears on and keep your mind open and educated. And also, I don't want to see anyone out here like, I'm Canadian, so this doesn't apply to me. It applies to you, especially if you are Canadian super or white Australian. And if you are European, uh, colonialism. And yeah, just, if you live in Asia, you're actually don't really. I mean, like, it's always nice to educate yourself, but we're not going to force it. Yeah, um, I'm not. And in terms of, I mean, I guess we can call it activism. In terms of my personal activism, Jewish and queer activism, um, I just want to remind everyone that starting on Monday, November 27th, and also on Tuesday, November 28th, in lieu of watching the uh, Nazi crossover, Ari and I will be hosting No More Nazis on my Twitch channel. We're going to be uh, live streaming Persona 5 and then possibly a different game. And we're going to have advice and we're going to talk and it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be Monday? It's Yes, Monday, November 27th and Tuesday, November 28th, because that's when the crossover is. And that is from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. both nights, um, Eastern Standard Time, New York City time. So if you're in Europe, you are probably going to be asleep. And that's mm -hmm. fine, because the main point of No More Nazis is that we would like you to, instead of giving any social media attention to the crossover, to live blog uh, No More Nazis and just not give the social media traction to the crossover that it wants. Like, don't even be like, oh, it's so gross that there are Nazis, and like, like this crossover is garbage, and it. I hate Oliver Queen. Just don't talk about it. If you have to talk about it, uh, censor out portions of the show's names any actors involved yes. in it 
any writers, literally anyone connected with the production, you have to censor it all out. You cannot mention them. They don't give a shit if you're negatively mentioning them. All they see are the numbers of people mentioning them online. So please keep that in mind. That also applies whenever you're watching something that's terrible. Um, Yeah, hate watching isn't a real thing because it gives numbers to people. Yes. If you're going to hate watch, for God's sake, you got a torrent. Um, yeah, catch me watching the 55-second Amari scene we get illegally on YouTube on Wednesday. Just like, when will Mark Guggenheim die, allegedly? It, you know, it's the sort of thing where I understand Cisco's going to be in suspenders. It's great. Uh, there will be scenes on YouTube. I'll live. Do it's, it for Wentworth. Yes. I'm, if I'm, Wentworth could come to no more Nazis, he would. Like, yeah, that's I, fair. I feel in my soul. Um, But I think with that said, I will put a link to uh, No More Nazis in the description on SoundCloud and in the description on my Tumblr, and you'll be all good to go. You'll know where my channel is. Everything's going to be great. Um, I'm already shipping Futaba and Anne, which is great because, like, since it's a major anime thing, there's not a lot of Femslash out there for it. I think the Naruto fandom kind of spoiled me because people did Femslash hard in Naruto, but I don't think it's as common you know, I wouldn't like say that, be. and I say that as someone who did read some Naruto fanfic. I don't remember a super crazy amount of fem slash more than normal. Um, but that may also just be this is admittedly on my spotty recollections. Um, I'm going to single handedly fix the anime fem slash industry. No, like that's really the and like this is kind of I think part of my struggle with fem slash ships for a really long time was I watched a lot of shonen. And so in Shonen, for those of you who don't watch anime, there's like one girl. So she gets fuck all in terms of interaction with other women, especially earlier on. One Piece got a little better. Now you have Nami and Robin, you had Nami and Vivi. And that was like a, that was a thing I was really into when I was younger without realizing I was like into it, quote unquote. Um, But you don't really get a lot of People, I would see a lot of, well, they've never interacted, so this is kind of a crack ship sort of stuff. And I would be like, yeah, they really haven't interacted because I wasn't, like, I was I was fucking 11. I didn't really, like, um, get that. But it, it's such a it's such a thing that fem slash ships specifically kind of have to struggle against is people, if they don't interact and they're just two women in the cast, people will always go, oh, well, they never interacted. It's just, like, a dumb crack ship. If they do interact, people are so intent on downplaying um, affection and companionship and overtures of friendship um, and romantic intent in women to a really frustrating extent. And I think we are talking about this to avoid talking about this fucking episode. And, like, and like, not even in a bad way. So no, this episode, no, no, no. the seventh okay, episode this... of the third season, which is called Shrimp Apocalypse Now... And, and uh, boys, if that. you said singing boat drinks is free use, then us using this title is free use. Uh, no regrets, <laughs> just love. And we're not gonna like make merch of it or anything. I promise. So no, but it, it was just it was just really funny. And yeah. um, I I you know if you've been listening to this podcast for multiple episodes, I think people First will all, thank you notice that I've had uh, kind of a running bit a running gag just a running feeling of creeping dread yeah i really we've been being like okay the season is really good you know i've had like a like a creeping dread about the vietnam episode there were a thousand different ways i could see it going wrong it doesn't help that the show's worst episodes last season were another war-based one so i really thought this was going to be a retread of the uh world war one episodes from last season which were a clusterfuck catastrophe and And I, and the, I, here's the thing is when I started watching this, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know where the show was going. Nothing horrifically racist had happened yet. And when Mick was like, oh, I don't want to go to Vietnam at first when they're all sitting in the wave rider. I'm like, oh, that's just their thing they're doing with him where he says something silly or contrary or tactless as like their comedy bit. Yeah. Like he um, just doesn't like war. Yeah. Or something, which is something along those lines thinking, oh, you know, that's all it's going to be. No big deal. And then, then, then we meet his abusive father. And and my entire world exploded. I, I mean, like I genuinely did not see that. Like I, no. out of all of the possible 
ways I saw this episode playing out, that would never have in a million fucking years been what I would have said. Okay, here's how the episode's going to go. I didn't, I didn't, there's never, and I mean, in my defense, there's never been a mention of Mick's dad having military service. There's no, there has really been no clear foreshadowing that this is where, this is not a complaint. This is just me like, I just was not fucking expecting that at all. And, um... It was one of those things where, like, the show hasn't really done this before, but it's something that they added to this canon we already know. And instead of us being, like, that directly contrasts yeah, things no, you've established previously, I was actually looking at it, and I'm like, the second Mick is like, my dad fought in Vietnam, I was like, that makes a ton of sense yeah, that on a actually, lot of levels. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I actually I, think we didn't, like, record this episode Wednesday. We kind of waited because... It was a lot for, like, me personally to process emotionally. Oh, yeah, this episode was uh, fucking horrible on my emotional everything. Like, it was and bad. It was, and it was, and it's not even like we were watching this episode bad. and we left it like, oh, my God, I can't believe how they fucked it up. It we left this like, episode like this made a statement about emotion that I can relate to. Like, it wasn't like last season when I was so upset with um, how Spear possessed Len. I refuse to believe that's real Len. Um, was treating Mick. I was. It, it wasn't like that. It was. Oh my God. It was just very. It was very. It was very painful and um, cathartic, but also really painful. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm gonna try to keep this focused specifically on the episode. If I start to kind of like trail off or get like a little. Yes. Um, weird. Like I'm sorry. I'll. I'll. It's just this is gonna be like just full disclaimer for for you for people who are listening. This is yes. kind of like a. This is going to be an emotional uh, yes, Hawaiian emotional roller coaster ride. And with that, in I saw your reference and I appreciated it. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, thank um, you. As long as you saw it. Yes, I did. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's going to be really fucking tough. And I actually, I before we talk about Mick, because once we start talking about Mick, we're not going to be able to stop fucking talking about yeah. Mick, and that's a good yes, thing. Yes, that's but very true. What I found super fascinating outside of Mick in this episode was. I, I feel like especially certain kinds of fans of the show are going to be very hard on Nate for his behavior in this episode. And I would like to talk about, um, even if you don't interpret Nate as a trans man, um, he very clearly has some sort of masculinity issues. I interpret those as being part of his issues with his gender identity and expression. Other people may interpret them differently. But Nate has this issue where he connects, connects masculinity to the military and he has a hard time seeing people who were in military service as anything other than heroic. Uh, this is despite the fact that his dad was, if not outright abusive, which is implied but never explicitly stated, at the very least, the barest minimum, he is canonically neglectful as shit. Yes. We can assume he was probably worse, but Nate still has a hard time seeing people who were in the military as bad people all the same. Um, can I just make a quick point? Um, I was going to get to Amaya too, don't worry. Oh, okay. Because I was, if you're going to get to Amaya too, then I was just yeah. going to mention that the first thing I noticed about this episode was that Amaya says, okay, if American soldiers need me, I'm ready to do my duty. And I'm like, I honestly thought the episode forgot she was a World War II veteran, like the show I did. Mean, I think it wasn't, uh, given the other stuff they were exploring, I yeah. don't think they, it definitely wasn't their number one priority. Yeah. Which I think makes sense because Amaya was like yeah. a superhero veteran. Yeah. Which is slightly different. Um, you know, she would, you know, if she didn't have superpowers historically at that point in time, she would not have been allowed to serve an active duty. So. She would um, have been a nurse though, if we know yeah, her Yeah, she would have been a nurse. But, and not to say that that is not still incredibly yes. vital and important, but. Yes. I just don't think the show that wasn't that was not her role in this episode. Although her role in this episode could have been so much worse. It was, it was so it was good on a lot of levels, and we good, were so worried. But, but let's what I was let's go with myself for. I was like, thank fucking god, we hit the bare minimum. We did it, guys. We've done it. But with that in mind, I thought what was so fascinating, even if it was only um, elaborated on briefly, was. Amaya has this idea of war as this black and white, valorous, um, yes. good versus evil kind of thing. Because she's a World War II vet. And, and fighting Nazis to her stuff. makes sense. We did some pretty sh shitty stuff during World War II. We were not fucking Nazis. Yeah. Like, um, unlike 
allegedly Mark Guggenheim and everyone responsible for this crossover, we were not Nazis or Nazi sympathizers. So uh, we still do have some, well, I mean, we weren't Nazis. That's about really all I can say on that front. I'm not going to get into it. And, and we weren't actually sure as the United States if we were going to be or not until they bombed Pearl Harbor. But that's <laughs> not the point. That's literally... I'm like, we cannot... The, the issue of Japanese internment is, is a fucking national the, disgrace. That's a whole other story. Yeah, we don't have time for um, this. We, <laughs> pull the, I, pull the card. Pull the card. I'm not getting to... I, please, this, this, is a, this is a comedy podcast about a shitty basic cable show. In any case... The thing about Amaya is that she, regardless of whether or not this is true, historically, sees the war she was involved in as a very black and white, good versus evil. War is the way that you prove that you are a good protector of the people and, mm -hmm. and truth and justice and, and, and all that good stuff. So war is good because it you protect people in war. And it's a very idealistic view of war that is very much not the case and probably never has been. Yes. But that's where she's coming from in this episode. Yes. And Nate is very much coming it's, at. It's like war. how you said that Amaya is very old. She's like a hundred years old, but she still is, does have the mentality of like a 24 year old. She still does have like a lot of hope and like a 24 year old's brain. I think what's yes. most interesting to me, aside from Amaya's very black and white view of war is Nate's very black and white. Yes. View of war but soldiers specifically, and mm -hmm. this comes up a lot in this episode, and I yes. think a lot of people are going to, to view him negatively after this, and certain people in this fandom um, may think that he was being an insensitive asshole or being this or that. And, like, for what it's worth, a lot of what Nate was doing and yes. saying, knowing that his father was neglectful at best and most likely abusive, very much felt like a justification to himself more than anything like if he could prove Mick's dad wasn't really all that bad then he could prove his dad really wasn't all that bad and you, you know, know Nate just needed mm -hmm. to learn how to, to how to take his neglect and punishment like a man and, and be better and that's very much the kind of mindset mm -hmm. I think he was coming from here and you know what's interesting is that he learns that Mick's dad was that bad mm-hmm he doesn't get the conclusion he's looking for. What he gets is a healthier Mick, but he doesn't yes. get a healthier Nate. Well, I think I think what's important to me is I do think Nate, I, I hope it helps Nate because yes. the thing, and this was to jump ahead a, a little, but it, it's related to what we're talking about now. Yes. The relief I felt, because even as this episode continued to be good and be better and yes. be amazing about everything with Mick, I was waiting for that last. Oh my God. That last I one, that know. like that fucking, like that last, that that minute in the Apollo Eleven thing where they do the, you really weren't. I guess I should have understood where you were coming from, neglectful and emotionally distant and abusive father. Like I was really thinking they were, I'm, I'm, because they've never not done that at the last second. I really thought there was going to be this moment where Mick realized his dad really wasn't all that bad and there was still a good guy underneath the guy who beat the shit out of him. And they didn't do it. And they did do it. And, like, and I'm saying that, that way too victoriously for what this situation I, is. I, I, but I understand because that was my fear the whole time I was yeah. sitting there like, oh god, oh god, oh god. Like it was so bad. So I completely understand because that's exactly how I felt. Just, this, yeah. just the naked relief. But I think that's important for Nate because I do think, at least I hope, that it helped him see, like, you know, your dad might have just been an asshole because he was an asshole. And it maybe it had nothing to do with his trauma related yes. to his dad and related to everything in your family's weird military complex and shit. Like, maybe mm -hmm. he was just a dick. Maybe your dad <laughs> and, was just and an I asshole. Hope, hope that watching Mick interact with his dad helped Nate understand what understanding can look like. Because that is the really the ultimate and kind of why this episode is so difficult to talk about because this was a moral and a story about abuse that I've really only seen addressed as well as this episode did maybe twice ever. I don't actually think I have ever seen it addressed in media. I was not expecting. I, I not this specific, I should say yeah. this specific thing yeah. This is the only time I've ever seen something like this. Yeah. Good abuse narratives that address something that is uncomfortable or messy or painful about abuse outside of what we expect to be bad about abuse. Yes. I've maybe seen happen, 
I can think of maybe two examples. So, and that's mm -hmm. just like, that's pausing to think about it for a hot second. So keeping that in mind, um, this is the first episode I've seen that tackled this very specific issue of understanding that your parent is a bad person and they were going to hurt you regardless and that you didn't deserve it and and you can understand that maybe why they did what they did came from a bad place inside them yes but you didn't cause that bad place I and almost, yeah and and it doesn't and that bad that bad that bad thing inside of them may have just always have they have just been a part of them because I really thought again like I thought the other thing they might they could have done and didn't do where it would have been like Vietnam made mixed dad crazy which would have been a very it would have I mean like here's the thing is yes PTSD could and does change people however I would argue that it doesn't tend to make people it would abusive have been in the very way very unfair to real life PTSD survivors yeah so with that in mind, um, um, can I just take a brief before we get into how good this episode was? Can I just mention I read a couple online reviews just to see if anybody noticed how brilliant this abuse plotline was? And the answer is, of course not. People are garbage. Um, well, I mean, people oh, like person. did comment that like Dominic Purcell is an amazing actor. And I'm like, yes, he is. You're absolutely right. But then ING was like, why wasn't there more grod? And I'm like, why don't Fuck you? Fuck off. <laughs> I, not I, only why wasn't there more grod. Why didn't Amaya spend more time with Grodd? And I'm like, oh. I actually called the FBI on them. And they're in jail forever now. They're never going to oh, see God. the light of day again. They went, they, they were sent away to... That's, that's uh, fair. They, they went to the bad place. They're, um, they're gone now. And so I guess ING needs a new Legends reviewer. Does this mean IGN? Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing, is uh, fuck IGN, because back when Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire came out, oh they gave the game, they deducted points from the game score because there was too much water in a game where one of the games in the, in the series is about a giant whale rising from the depths of the fucking ocean and flooding the fucking world. Wait, is so, that what Luigi is? I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna... I'm I gonna don't, fucking, I'm um, sorry. Um, Why wasn't um, there more gorilla? I'm gonna, I'm gonna Pokemon kill myself. Pokemon game lose a point, not enough gorilla. I am IGN. I'm gonna kill, no, 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 no. You have to, I'm going to kill myself. And then I hope when I die that because I am wearing headphones, my soul will travel through my headphone cord, manifest on your computer, and haunt you like that girl in that fucking Skype horror movie. Because No, it was never explained. It was never, <laughs> they never went that into detail as to how she was haunting their computers. And I, also... I, why didn't they just turn off? <laughs> also, can you imagine a ghost in one of our group chats? Yeah, no, the ghost would the, like. T okay, no, but hold on. I'm talking about Kyogre. Lukia isn't a whale. Oh how the yeah, fuck? Kyogre how the is. Fuck? I'm sorry, I completely Where forgot Kyogre existed. Why are you yelling at me? It's a bird. It's I. I mean, it's like a weird looking bird. I, but I was gonna say I've never seen a bird that looks like that. But I'll take your. It's word a for dragon it. bird. It's got wings and a neck. It's like someone took a swan and a dragon and like got rid of the beak. None of this is important. God damn it. It feels um, important. It feels like it's is, important. My point is. Which part of uh, Luigia is the gorilla? Luigia. Yeah, oh sure. my god. Which part of it is a gorilla? You're hurting. I know you're mispronouncing it on purpose just to fuck with me, and I'm really annoyed that it works because I'm <laughs> predictable asshole. But um, oh my goodness, where was my right? Fuck IGN. They are wrong about everything all the time, forever. It's allegedly. weird. It's weird. Um, and like, if we see them at Comic Con next year, if they have like a like a like a press room or something, I guess we're just gonna have to go when they're doing a celebrity interview. Sit down, <laughs> grab the microphone, and be like, "Hey." Why are you fucking wrong about everything? <laughs> hey, do you guys Name remember one thing you've been that right about? Review you gave a Pokemon game one time? Well, uh, I'm here to uh, publicly challenge you, you to that. You guys wanted more gorilla, so I went to the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> and got this gorilla. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my gosh, they have she gorillas at the Bronx actually, Zoo? Yeah, they do. Uh, she oh, actually shit. drove here. The gorilla drove. Yeah, no. Very talented, the, the... Very talented woman. Yeah, no. Uh, gorillas are pretty smart. I think yeah. you could probably teach a gorilla to drive a car. I absolutely think you could teach a gorilla. Why was the plot of this episode? Why did it focus on <laughs> stupid abuse and not on someone trying to teach a gorilla to drive a car? I'm IGN. Before we get into the more of the sad stuff, I do want to say, when we first thought that this was going to be... First off, I love that even though there wasn't a lot of grot in this episode, 
Grodd, noted anti-war activist, was the funniest fucking thing to me. And I am genuinely, I would have loved to see Gorilla Grodd goes to Washington because there's nowhere in the Constitution does it say that a gorilla can't be president if he gets enough of the Electoral College vote. Therefore, Was he born in the United States? Uh, yeah, technically, I'm pretty sure. I'm this iteration of Grodd. Um, comics Grodd, no, because he was Gorilla City. But this Grodd in DCTV could become president. So what I'm saying is, why isn't the crossover Grodd becomes president? Because that would be fucking amazing. I can't, like, think, of, I can't think of a better plot line. That would be amazing. Well, because then you could, if you want to have your, like, Mark Guggenheim thinks he's so smart and loves to write pithy political commentary, you could do something really funny right now with a gorilla being president that would be... Gorilla president. Gorilla. Like, it would be adorable. Also, how come when Grodd was on screen, they did not just have Greg yell, gorilla, every time? Why didn't they knock off... Where was... And who can forget when... um, (laughs) Zari was talking to that lady, and she said, Gorilla Grodd is helping us. Not like that no good Jimmy Brown. (laughs) I I was just waiting for Amaya to reach out to Grodd, and then his mask falls off, and it's just that no good Jimmy Brown who somehow got drafted in Vietnam. I'm just trying to buy you a wedding ring. And then making his dad ruin everything. And and everybody's just like, what the fuck? Amaya has been teaching animals to count and spell this whole time. First off, Amaya would open a school for animals. Like, this isn't even like a joke anymore. This is just Amaya would try to teach a dog. Amaya would teach a gorilla how to drive. Like, she just, she would have so... And there's our crossover. Done. Yeah, there we go. I'm done. I figured out the season finale. (laughs) Call me. Okay. So, oh, geez. Um, I really do. Like, here's the thing is this was really fun. Gorilla Grodd episode. I don't think we needed more. I think he was very well handled. And I appreciate that because as Rachel and I have actually discussed, um, disclaimer, neither of us are black and I am incredibly white. Um, but we've talked before. And part of our reason for the he- our, our concerns with the, this episode is that Gorilla Grodd has sometimes been written with human women in the comics in a way that for those of you who maybe don't um, know this or haven't codified it into this this sort of understanding of racist imagery and rhetoric, uh, black men are, are obviously written very often in racist narratives as violent animalistic and gorillas being used as a stand in for black men is not uncommon for a variety of reasons. And so when Gorilla Grodd in the comics behaves in like a perverse or creepy manner towards human women, even if the comic writer didn't set out to write something racist, it doesn't matter because they're using imagery of this, this, this savage beast about to, to maul and, you know, be violent or intimate uh, with, a human woman that is not unlike a lot of racist propaganda and yeah. racist art and imagery. Um, somebody pointed out, yeah. I mean, even I remember when I was a kid and like Gorilla Grodd was like dating one of the villains on Justice League Unlimited yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, he had. He was dating women. I mean, here's the thing: is that like the Get Out specifically, um, the girlfriend Rose is supposed to be the woman in King Kong. Like, she really is relying on that like white female persona to basically like entrap her boyfriend and that's sort of one of those motifs that the film uses so like this is not something like this is a historical thing that really concerned us because legends has not been great with race that's why we were so at least i like that was a big reason why i was really worried because the second that grod comes in i was really worried and also specifically in justice league unlimited the fact that Grodd was dating human women very much kind of felt like they were making a joke about, like, black men dating white women. And I'm like, number one, you are not, none of you are allowed to make that joke. I don't know how much Dwayne McDuffie worked on Justice League Unlimited, but holy shit, guys. Number two, seriously, holy shit. Like, this, uh, that, that is the number one issue with a lot of Grodd stories is that they are racist as hell whether they deliberately set out to be it does not matter because the second that you have a gorilla like a sentient gorilla you have to be very careful with how you write him and you have to be very careful about the interactions he has with women especially 
um, because of all of these stereotypes and these motifs and these narratives. Um, and it's really fucking bad. And I was really worried they were going to fuck it up. And I think there were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, geez, oh, boy, oh, boy. But nothing that, like, it could have been so much worse. So I think part of my thing is I'm like, I know my relief here is just because I really was expecting, like, Grod to imply that, like, Amaya was attractive or something like that. Then I would have just had to fucking hang myself. So <laughs> with that in mind, I liked that he... You know Grod th- is in love with Caitlyn, right? Is that... Th- Did you just leave? No, that was... I I, I, I I was actually just fiddling with some beads um, and dropped them conveniently. Like, that, that, was, that was great because that's about... I don't want to think about that, so I'm going to... Yeah, in the season, in the yeah. episode, the second Grodd episode they had on The Flash, they had Caitlyn wear the white pantsuit so that she looks like the lady in King Kong. Oh, wow. That's... You're lying. Do you want me to prove it? No, because I know, I, know I know you're not really, but I need yeah. to say that because, like... Thank you. It's really... Like, that's... I hate... I... Oh, and yeah, like, King Kong is a majorly uh, racist motif, guys. Just so you know. Yeah. Surprise! We're super, super fucking bad. Um, Godzilla wouldn't fucking do this to us. Godzilla is not racist. Okay, so Ari and I once had an argument on a train about who would win in a fight, King Kong or Godzilla. And I um, <laughs> overestimated the size of King Kong. And I was wrong. And Ari's <laughs> never going to let it go because we argued for 20 straight minutes on the New York City subway about who would win in a fight. And, like, I'm honestly kind of surprised nobody on the subway with us, like, jumped in to give their two cents. I really I really thought at some point somebody would be like, well, uh, let me... I really thought a man would climb in from one of the windows and just be like, actually... Because it feels like whenever two people, um, especially non-male people are having an argument about something a man really feels qualified to give his opinion and especially on a masculine subject like monster films and i'm air quoting but masculine like, it's one of those things that like i feel like a third opinion was needed and we just yeah. oh god where, yeah where was it when I we needed we called, it did we call your dad we did i think yeah okay so we did give a third opinion but your dad isn't uh, like your dad is like relatively unhelpful but um not his fault but he's just also um Monster movies, right? Godzilla is not racist. Um, it's true. And Godzilla is actually uh, very important to. Yeah, no. Godzilla, is, like seriously. Uh, I think we should Godzilla probably really... get back to the episode. Yeah. Um. All I'm saying is that, like, uh, okay, so I am gonna force myself to talk about the hard stuff. Um. I have clearly been trying to avoid it. Really. Yeah. Hard. I. I don't um, even know. Like, do you want to <laughs> let me right. list other gonna... animals that are found in the jungle? Tigers. Uh, lions. Everyone. Everybody loves tigers. Oh, wait. Um, I wanted to just point that one thing out, um, that, like, error that they made, because it's not. So, Legends of Tomorrow, they have Nate tell Amaya that Mick has gone the full Kurtz. Oh, right. Um, When Nate says this, it's a reference to Apocalypse Now. However, Kurtz is a character in the book Heart of Darkness, which was published in 1899. And given that Amaya is from um, Zambezi, which is not a real place, but is supposed to be in around the Congo area... Mm-hmm. For her to not know about Heart of Darkness, especially when the soldiers she killed were specifically Belgian, yeah, like Heart makes of Darkness no was written about, like, <laughs> like, like that's what Heart of Darkness is about. Yeah, and then Apocalypse like Now it. is a motif on Heart of Darkness, and Ari pointed out that Phil Klemmer probably does not know that um, the book existed before the Vietnam War. I don't mean that. I mean, I really do feel like Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness are so thoroughly conflated in most people's uh, minds that they, when you say Apocalypse Now is an adaptation of Heart of Darkness, people assume that Heart of Darkness is a novel about the Vietnam War because they don't realize that you're talking that it's a modern, like a modern adaptation in a more modern setting. But I do think that was probably the case here. I'm not really going to hold them too hard to it because what I thought was very interesting as uh, an absolute insufferable fucking ex-English major who read Heart of Darkness. um, Me too. Go on. Well, um, I think what was very interesting to me that Nate called Mick Kurtz because the thing about Kurtz's violence is that it comes from the inherent brutality of colonialism not necessarily mental illness. Like that was the point that the book was making was that colonialism makes monsters out of men because it is an inherently violent and racist ideology. And Nick was just kind of having 
Like I, I actually, you know what? And like I, I, I small I psychotic brain. You know, We've all been I there. Think, I think I think one of the good things, one of the mo- most realistic things, is that Mick had a lot of symptoms of just hardcore trauma disassociating yeah. for a lot of this episode. Um, to the point where I, I kind of I would be interested to know if Dominic did any research on like how people exhibit post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms or anything like that because he's a very physical actor which is why I really like watching his performance um, you know specifically because he might not always be uh, the most verbally eloquent but the way that he carries himself his, the demeanor he projects the manner the mannerisms he adapts like he is just very good at physically inhabiting a character's mindset um and mick strongly felt to me like he was having just major disassociative ptsd uh symptoms like this whole fucking episode which is getting worse and worse and worse um there was the really excellent scene that kind of showcased this where We've seen Mick fiddle with his lighter before, and I've always, because I have a really firm autistic Mick headcanon, uh, interpreted it as stimming, and it was confirmed as kind of like a stim slash self-harm thing in this episode, and that was really powerful for me, because not only did Nick do it in a way that felt very realistic in terms of why, how, and when people self-harm, um, Nate's reaction was very well written because he wasn't he didn't get angry he like was a little like oh my god what's happening but he didn't like he 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 tried he took Mick out of the situation didn't blame him didn't press him for further details Mm -hmm. was clearly upset but he wasn't upset to Mick's face like he was never like you're fucking crazy I can't handle this like why the fuck are you doing this right now you're fucking ruining everything for everyone um he He... went to go try to find Ray and Amaya and be like Hey, can I need an adult? And Ray are also. I think Nate recognizes that they're uh, Mick's anchors. Yeah. In a way, like Nate, I think looks up to Mick, but I also think it's like slightly. I I actually really like this because it was they grew they grew a lot closer together in this episode, and I think came to a really good understanding. Mm -hmm. But Nate, I think, was always a little wary around Mick in the way that Ray and Amaya just aren't because they're just that. They, they, they know him. Mm-hmm. Um, when Nate said, you have to come, like, like he's like, focus, Amaya is in there. I'm like, one of these days I'm going to stop being mixing garbage, but it's not this day. I just really think it was interesting. And also, yeah. like, especially since I brought up, I think, a couple episodes ago, that Nate has a bit of a jealous streak. Yeah. The fact that he was able to get over that and be like, um, he knows how important Amaya is to Mick, and he wasn't holding a grudge over it. And he wasn't trying to be possessive and like be like, oh well, that's my girlfriend. So he he was just like Amaya's in there because he knows that's important to Mick, and he wasn't jealous about it. And like that was really nice. Um, like Nate was a really Nate was really supportive in this episode. And I know the whole thing about like tough love was like I know it came off as obnoxious, but I think knowing what we know about Nate's parents yes. and especially his father, yes, I. More, I personally saw it more as someone who had had a really shitty father as well and just has not processed it the way Mick did. Because here is the thing. When Mick says, I don't regret killing my old man, I, I wish to The greatest die. scene I in had, television history. I'd had a fucking party popper, a champagne bottle. I wanted to just fucking grab something also, off my Also, parallel that to he broke my sister's heart, only fair I break his. Mm. Um, it's good. Uh, I was also, I, I, that is terrible. Um, I just, I just, fuck, that's another, there's, I, I, I lied three moments. It's alone at sea, Lily calling Lucimine out. Yes. And this, and like, that's it. Those are the only three good abuse narratives I've ever seen in my fucking life. And so, I, I've heard Black Siren is going to kill Quentin Lance, so. I'm so fucking ready. Uh, um, I'm so ready. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking take the scene. I'm gonna set it to that fucking, uh, Nothing's gonna stop us now. Like I'm gonna, we're gonna. It's gonna be like a big '80s movie moment. They're gonna just slow mo it, fucking full orchestra. That that's not the point. Um, I was born ready. I'm so fucking hype. With that said, I was so worried that Mick saying that was again. They set up so many points. I've seen so many bad abuse narratives that yeah. every time one of these moments happens, I think, okay, so here's how they're gonna like go back on that how they're gonna fuck this how they're gonna make mick eat his words because that's what they always do when every other fucking narrative that starts like this no never not once there's never a point where mick has to say no 
I should feel regret because maybe I could have saved him. Maybe I could have done. Nope. What Mick's he like, says is I should have died in that house. And that is one of those things that, that was Mick so went through a lot of stages this episode. Can I sort of lay them out the way I saw them? Um, first, there's just the complete, like, anger and rage he feels at his father. And, like, the refer- the fact that, like, he wouldn't put his gun down when he saw him. Um, also, that's the exact same thing that Seth Gecko did in From Dust Till Dawn when he goes into the room and his father is there. The first thing he does is put his gun on him. And that- fuck you. Yeah, yeah, fuck me. Fuck and- you! <laughs> and oh, God. So he goes through that, and then his father, because he views Mick as a soldier, like, saves his life. And Mick is like, this is kind of weird. And then, I don't even think it's what his father says. I think it's that Mick sees a picture of his mother. I don't think the regret comes from talking to his dad. I think it comes from him seeing his mother and remembering Oh, her. straight up. I think and it's, Because I think there is a picture. scene where he says to his father, you want to have kids? And he's almost debating telling him not to. Like, there were a couple of moments in this episode. That was a big one where they were talking about his dad having yeah. children. And the scene where his father is pointing a gun in his face and Mick is pointing the gun back and his whole team is there. And that was one of those things that like, remember like how Mick is following his father and we were both really worried. But then this and like and that was one another scene like he sort of follows his father and we get to the confrontation at the um, village. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those times where they could have done what they did with the spear, where they're like, you've made the wrong choice and you're a bad person and da da da. And instead he immediately puts himself between his dad and, and everybody standing there. Which was n- number one. Which wonderful. incidentally, Zari says to the girl in this episode, if you want peace, you have to start it. Yes. And that, and it, I actually want to go into what that, that means about Mick in a minute, yeah. because I want to talk about um, how I kind of saw, I think, some of this, because I agree with you on on a lot of stuff. Well, um, also just the parallel of him refusing to put the gun, take the gun off his dad, versus then being like, "No, you lower your gun. I'm not doing that." Yes, but I think what's what's the most important to me about that that scene um, near the execution, yes, um, the execution squad is if I really do feel like, given Mick's first moment where he debates telling his dad not to have kids. Yeah. This was another moment where if Amaya and Ray, especially, but the rest of the team as well, hadn't been there, I really do think he would have maybe tried to let his dad kill himself, pushed it, see, just to see what would happen. Because I think maybe in his head, after he saw his mom, it was harder for him to keep everything together. And in a way that he had to be reminded of how his mother got caught up in this um, destruction that his dad just wreaked on their whole family. And with that in mind, just the way that it is important, I think, that Ray and Amaya are the people who call out to Mick when yes. he's following his father. And they're. And Mick telling Ray to shut up because he doesn't yeah, want no, his dad to like, shoot him I first. Didn't, I didn't interpret that negatively at all. I really oh, saw that as. Oh like, my God. It was such it was such a like. Because like. It was such a. Oh my God. Don't you see that? Like the, the you're bad. You're in so much danger, please. Yes, like, and I, 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 I feel like sometimes that's hard. Part of the thing is, is like when we were talking about how the reviews didn't notice it. This is so hard to convey to people because I really do. Mm-hmm. I always hit this roadblock when I'm trying to explain to people. Here's how this narrative is clearly coded to indicate that this character is abusive or this character is being abused by this character. And I, very smart people, otherwise, and sometimes just very dumb people in general, but even smart people, I, if they have not also been abused. They, I hit this roadblock. Like, they don't, their minds literally cannot process. People and understand. really only know how to understand abuse. Like, when they're seeing it, when they're like, he's a bad boyfriend and he drinks and da da da. And like, yeah, they understand it in this very, like, broad brush sense. Guy comes home from the bar, had too yes. much to drink, he has a shitty job, and he slaps his yes. wife around. That's what they're thinking. But when I'm trying to explain, even stuff that's that fucking obvious, like Mick's dad is not exactly a subtle abuser. You could argue that Nate's dad is a more like dysfunctional, but like Mick's dad is pretty fucking textbook as these things go. And even then when I'm still trying to explain that it just, it just, I do feel like people are not abuse programs, your brain in a very different way. Yes. And so that's very hard. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. Um, it's like if I was trying to cram a Game Boy cartridge into my 3DS DS slot because 
the cartridge, it works if you play it on an old DS or a Game Boy Advance. It does not work if I try to slam it into the 3DS slot. Even then, that's not quite a metaphor. It's very hard to... At what point is Nintendo going to sue us? I Hey, listen, I'm just comparing for the purposes of... Oh, I also, because we had that whole Pokemon thing earlier, too. Like, we're, we're dropping a lot of brand stuff. Okay. Um, uh, Nintendo, in my defense, you can't sue me because I love your franchise more than anyone, um, possibly ever. Uh, possibly and, more than you intended for people to love it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's fair. Actually, that's fair and valid. Um, but in any case, I'm, I'm just trying to come up with like, it's hard. It is, it's hard to even come up with a metaphor. I, 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 do, I feel like I'm trying to speak in a language that these people don't even know exists. Like if somebody walked up to me and started speaking in, fuck, I don't know. Um, you don't know most languages. You could just pick one. I, I, but like I know of most languages. If someone came up to me and started yelling at me in the the shit from Skyrim, like the, the the dragon tongue, I would I would be really concerned because not only would they be speaking in a way I don't understand, I wouldn't even know how to describe it as I language. I would understand. I know you would, but I am trying to describe a color that does not exist. I am trying That's to. That's what we were looking for. The taste of water. Yeah, like I I can't do that. I can't, I can't make them understand. And that is so frustrating to come up against every fucking time. Every time. And it just, and this is not like a... Like a different review I said was like, Mick realizes he can't hate his dad because he has not yet become the man that will abuse Mick. And I'm like, no, that's not what no, it was at all. He, Thank you. The whole point was that he's been that man this entire time. You're dismissed. And Thank you. Yeah. No, I literally don't. Like, and again, like, how the fuck could anyone watch the episode and think that was the point? Um, Clearly somebody did. Yeah, and that's the one. Oh, God. I'm so tired of fucking being alive. <laughs> I, I really relate to that one DC editor who was like, in the 80s, no more fucking stories about gorillas. I don't know who it was. I hope that they were a good person but even if they weren't as is the case with a lot of men who work in comics i am so happy that someone at least put their foot down and said no more gorillas i can't fucking take it anymore no. wanda maximoff panel no more gorillas <laughs> um i mean i think what was so like everything they really and they and they set up just the, there were so many there points. was so much there was the uh mick blaming himself like maybe if i wasn't such a crazy person my that dad wouldn't have abused much. my mom that hurt so much because Which he was was one of the most real emotions on the face was, of the planet earth it was, and i it was, hate it it was really upsetting and like and that was really hard to see mick like there was the understanding that you have as an adult i mean like this was huge that like if you were an adult and you had an abusive parent growing up and like if you're someone who has contact with that parent that like you have to start seeing them as a person even though in your brain they're still an abuser it's it's weird to find out your yes. your abuser's tragic backstories and you um, usually do if they're your parent especially when they're your parents um yeah you do and you like, get this sudden wave of like do i forgive them like, because I don't change now that I know this part of them. That changes nothing that's been done. So what do I do with this? And you just, I mean, and that's the thing. And that that is really, like, that is the thing, is that it ultimately is not something that changes what happens to you or yes. happens to you, but it contextualizes what happened to you. Yes. And that can be very hard to process and very painful for a lot of reasons, uh, especially when incidents are similar or certain life experiences line up in a way where it's like, couldn't you have known better? And the answer is that usually they didn't like, you know, we, the whole trend of seeing a therapist and getting help for your problems is actually relatively modern. Yes. Uh, the sad truth is, is that a lot of people's parents, not just ours, but like a lot of people's parents, I'm sure other people who are listening to this have had bad parents. And like, the thing is, is they probably didn't see a therapist. And if you are, I want you to know you're already doing better than them yes. if you're acknowledging you're having problems. Mm -hmm. And that you know, is, I think, one of the I, best things. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to bring up something oddly related to this. Uh -huh. um, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to discuss this, but I saw someone this weekend who is um, a family friend of my boyfriend's, mm -hmm. and they are a Freemason. 
and they have the Freemason magazine. And I, you know, whatever. They can, they, they whatever. Um, it's technically a secret society, but they had, they are a military-based um, secret society. I'm so, I just want you to understand that I'm thinking of the fucking... Yeah, please do. We're all thinking, we're all thinking of the McElroy's calling the Freemasons in the car. Okay, we all are. That, no, there. that was, that was, that was that, and also the Simpsons episode where, uh, Homer Oh joined. my god, yes! I was thinking yeah. about that the whole time. Okay, Bring I'm out sorry. the boulder of triumph. <laughs> they had an article that was like, a lot of Freemasons are older, and are probably, you know, like, worried about, like, the Freemasons have been around since Washington's time. Yeah. And they posted, an, they printed an article that was like, here's a letter somebody wrote to us in the 70s. That's like, don't worry about our boys not being strong, even though they have long hair and they like to dance. You know, there's nothing wrong with our men. They're out in Vietnam fighting right now. And I bet the Viet Cong doesn't think they're soft. And I'm like, do you have any idea what the Vietnam War did to these people? Like, and they reprinted this letter now in 2017. Like, we don't, like, I can almost understand that mindset in the 70s because a lot of the fathers of these people were like, this will knock some sense into my boy. It destroyed them. And it also destroyed Vietnam. Yeah. And I there's mean, such, like, and Vietnam is one of those wars where it was really intelligent for them to pick it. And it was also super, super intelligent for them to make Mick's dad um, a flamethrower person. Because the flamethrower specifically is a weapon. Like, and I had never even seen Mick's gun as a flamethrower. I had just seen it as his fun fire gun. Yeah, I literally don't the think of it as a flamethrower. Flame I think of it as a gun that specifically is a weapon that we in our conscience associate with monsters. The comedian in Watchmen has one. Um, whenever someone has like some kind of post-traumatic flashback, it almost always involves a flamethrower. Yeah, it is up. a weapon of indiscriminate and apathetic violence. And I think it is also very important to note that it is not like all of that, but flamethrowers are also very specifically connected to Vietnam in a way that a lot of our cultural memory of Vietnam has napalm. Napalm was like, like if, if World War One was mustard gas and World War Two was nukes, Vietnam is napalm and Agent fire Orange. Fire and napalm, yes. And fire and napalm are kind of, I think, We all late. have that image of those two children fleeing because their backs are burned because their village has just been napalmed and they have no clothes on. Yeah, no. Like that, that sort of, that, that the idea of fire is so deeply entrenched in Vietnam yes. and our memory of it that... Yes. I think, number one, I, I, I think it goes beyond just, oh, mixed fire stuff started with his dad. I don't think that's it at all. Yes. I think it's talking about the nature of how we see Vietnam and the uh, nature how... of fire, even. That too. And also, because when you think about it, setting fire to a jungle is a dumb and bad idea if you give a shit about the, the jungle and the people living in it. And it's very important to note that we really fucking did it. Like, yeah, this exactly. is sort of, again, I don't want to get too historical. This is a comedy fun time pod. Well, I mean, this episode isn't really comedy fun time. So we had a I've good been talk having, about I've been having fun. I, yeah, I, I'm doing, so, I don't know. I'm going to be I'm repressing, doing. I'm going to be repressing these emotions as soon as we turn this yeah. off. So don't <laughs> I worry hope, about me. I hope everyone me. knows I am not going to remember what the fuck I talked about because it's going back in that uh, good it's old thing. It's going back fam. in the trauma vault, TM. <laughs> Uh, with that said, though, um, oh my goodness, where was my right? We did not see the Viet Cong as human, and yes, it's it's the sort of thing where we always teach our soldiers to dehumanize the targets, but we were and more capable bad. of seeing, yeah, which is bad, but we were more capable of seeing the Germans in World War II as human beings than we were the Japanese, uh, because that had like a dual pronged thing of hey, the Japanese soldiers are bad, but also so are the Japanese Americans, and they're monsters, and we should definitely just just in turn yeah, and, I mean and this episode we, one of the real reasons I was worried about this episode is because like when I thought about the uh, samurai episode oh god uh, legends that Mark Guggenheim wrote like Fuck. their anti-Asian sentiment was like pretty strong and I really yeah. thought we were going to see that again in this episode and that they were just going to completely dehumanize the Viet Cong and then they didn't yeah and then they didn't and then, and then they then... were like no this war was pretty fucking pointless yeah it was it was violent a whole... and nasty yeah, no, it was, and, like, that is the thing, is, like, I, I have, one of my professors right now is a Vietnam vet, 
And he is like, yeah, we just kind of gave up because the Cold War started winding down and we uh, went to China and we kind of softened up our relationship with China. So we didn't really need to have Vietnam because the whole reason we were still in Vietnam for that fucking long is so that we could have uh, a sort of it was literally just like a giant military base under the guise of having a war. I for mean, we're still point. in Afghanistan. Still in Afghanistan. Same thing. And it's, it's for basically the same reason. Like they, we were in Vietnam for as long as we were to to keep an eye on China and let them know that we weren't going to be fucked with, which was pretty fucking stupid. History, it sucks. History is fucking. I mean, shit, dude. Oh my goodness, Jesus, fuck. This is a fucking nightmare episode. Um, in a good way, but like, holy shit. Yeah, this, un- this unearthed everything about myself that I don't ever want to discuss <sighs> ever again. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's the thing is I think the two of us are kind of dancing around this, this, this episode a lot. And so I'm gonna, I think we're gonna, well, I'm gonna talk about one positive thing. And then, you know, there's definitely a lot of other stuff I feel about this episode, but I yeah. just don't. Yeah, I don't really want to convey it. But I don't know you that I well, think, listener. We haven't even had a date yet. Ugh. More like I, I, no one, no one's here to see the uh, wizard. What? No, I tried to. said no one's here to see, and I said the wizard. No one is here to see the wizard. They're here to listen to us make fun jokes. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. My brain is not making that metaphor work in my head. I appreciate your reference. I'm so sorry. Um, I think what was really important to me about this episode, in a way that uh, the thing about peace starts with you, was so good because it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't judgmental. It wasn't. You have to forgive your abuser to move on it wasn't yeah. you are a bad person because of what they did to you and you will yes. continue to do bad things and those are really kind of the only two narratives we see yeah ever yeah and so to have the the understanding of this episode be that what happened to you was bad and you didn't deserve it and the people who did it to you were never going to be good people and you couldn't have made them that way no matter how hard you tried and that is awful and you are allowed to have suffered because of it but you can move past that and you can find peace and that is very good because Mick is a very good character who I really relate to and there were definitely a lot of points in this episode where despite the fact that like this is a tv show i was like i mean not that i don't get upset over like everything all that i i i i'm i'm i cry relatively easy all things considered or even if i don't cry i get very emotional very easy but mick is a very important character to me and so to um just see this happen was so good and Mm -hmm. um it was just such a for him to make the choice not to hurt himself. Yeah, and for and for him to not take the lighter back. And the fact that Nate also, and this is a good thing, the fact that Nate trusted him enough to offer him the lighter back and to not be like, I'm keeping this because you're a crazy person who can't be trusted with it. And then for Mick to just go, no, it's okay, I'm all right, was really nice. That was so good. And just, um, it was such a hopeful, positive affirmation uh, that I hope that anybody else who watches the show and who struggles with some of the problems that, you know, Mick was struggling with in this episode can see it and be positively affected by it because it was genuinely very well written and moving and important. And, um, you know, if you have, if you understand what has been done to you and what happened to the people who did, who did, who did, bad things to you mm-hmm. it does not mean that you are condoning their actions yes it does not mean you are forgiving your their actions putting an abuser's actions in context and understanding them and what they did is not the same as forgiving them yes and i think that nuance is very important because you are not a bad person if you are inevitably confronted with something that ha- that forces you to recontextualize your worldview of your abuser. And at the same time, um, what matters is the person yes. that they were to you, not mm-hmm. the person they were before. Yes, exactly. You know? I know always... sometimes people, you know, history or you get older, and especially when it's family stuff, you'll find out stories or details yes. or things will surface and you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that happened. This puts something in context for me. And that doesn't necessarily 
mean that you have to be like, well, I guess that justifies everything. It doesn't. And it's okay for you to not let it factor in to your assessment of the situation because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in in regards to what happened to you. Yeah, no. I'm fucked up. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to repress this again. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what is what is the note of hope you would like to end on? Um, and now a message of hope. Everything is garbage. No, I mean, here's... I, I said this a little earlier in the yeah. episode, but if you have acknowledged that something bad happened to you, and if you are making the best out of your life after the bad thing that happened to you, that you can. And I'm not necessarily saying that you're, you know, forgiving who hurt you, yes. Or moving past it, because I don't actually know what the fuck that means. I don't think you... You just have to learn how to sit with it forever. And that's okay, because you can do that. It sucks. It's shitty. It's horrible. You can learn how to sit with it. And you can do so in a way that won't destroy you. And you you can do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. to be a better person than the people who hurt you. And you can find peace... And, um, it's, it's okay. And this episode was very uplifting in that regard, even if it was also just very sad in that genuine way, um, and a good way. And I hope that some other people got some catharsis from it as well. Yes. Not sure what else to say. (laughs) I do want to mention Dominic Purcell is a huge advocate um, for therapy and mental wellness. Um, he himself has said that he has seen a therapist for a while and that it has helped him through a lot of stuff. And if this was an episode that, like, you were really like, you know what, maybe I should see someone, and you're not right now, um, psychologytoday.com has a really great way to find um, licensed uh, mental health professionals in your area, if you are looking. And don't feel bad if you, if you for whatever reason, are not able to see a therapist right now. That is okay. If you feel like you need to see one, and you have the means to see one, Yes. It is not a bad thing, and mm-hmm. you deserve to see a therapist if that and is what you want. Therapists are not one size fits all. If you go to someone yeah. and you're Don't like, be afraid this to is shop not, around. this is really might for not me. be you. See someone like, else. There's a thousand yeah. therapists in the world. There's a bazillion, and it really like I like when I say it might not be you. If you think, oh well, this therapist doesn't think I'm like my problems are that big a deal, uh, that's not their job and they might just be a really shitty therapist for you even yes. if they come recommended from like your your friend or your your parents or yes. your coworker, find a therapist who listens to you yes and offers you coping mechanisms and concepts and and new life strategies that work for you yes it's okay if you say this isn't working out this isn't this isn't like mcdonald's you can say uh i need to exchange this like it, it it's it's not Although, like you know i did once um, they did once mess up my order at McDonald's and I just don't think they're used to pe- like, first of all, please be nice to the people who work at McDonald's because yeah, I came up to them and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I ordered chicken nuggets and I think you guys accidentally gave me a burger and everyone was just like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, you know, it happens. It's a busy day. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes I get a burger instead of chicken McNuggets. Yeah. It's like, listen, it's totally okay. And, um, and they will give you McNuggets. They will give you the nuggets, but I do, I do. I just like McFlurries and fries. I don't, I can't really eat anything else on the McDonald's menu, but that's not the point. The point is... If uh, you need help, please feel free to seek it. Yeah, no, for real. If you need help, you, you deserve it. Yes. You can find it. Yes. You can find the right person for you. Yes. And you will find peace. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. This is just in a really good season about like, Really highlighting yeah. like, legends, found family stuff, and like a lot yeah. of the messed up stuff that a lot of them don't want to deal with. It's like it, it really was. It's such a shame that that um, they're they're taking a gap week and then they're coming back in December. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird how that happens. Um, it's weird how it just vanished into the ether. But um, it'll be back. It'll be back. Um, not not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. It'll be back. It's fine. Just ignore yeah, anything that uh, happens, except no more Nazis this Tuesday. And don't worry, because that's the thing is, we'll we'll be there next next. We'll be there for you on the twenty eighth, where there is no Legends of Tomorrow, and then the it following doesn't... week there is Legends again, and we yep. can't explain why. Yeah. No. It. Um. And there, there was will a... be five hundred percent more <laughs> gorilla. There, there was a Legends here. It's gone now. But um. Six hundred percent more gorilla. 
We'll, we'll be there Bill for Kramer you. Bill Kramer is being replaced with a gorilla, allegedly. I, <laughs> Amaya teaches a gorilla how to use a word processor. And, um... <laughs> they have a gorilla with a wig on as Nate for the entire episode and Leave nobody Nate notices. Alone. That's not fair. He's doing his best. Um... <laughs> The gorilla, the gorilla is, Sir Isaac Newton comes back, but he's just a gorilla. Yeah, we, did, we didn't mention this, but the little, the, like, Martin having a little squad of, uh, of, uh, of people Vegas in history, that was great. They literally just look like Vegas impersonator versions of them, but I, and it was also, you know, it was genuinely very impressive, one last thing. The fact yes. that they could have that in the same episode as, as the episode we just fucking talked about. Yeah. And I really did not feel I just love like us anything. now now actively moving to repress that trauma. We're like, okay, we discussed yeah. it. Let's be let's, I'm like, oh shit. It's that's over that's now. Fun. Goodbye forever. <laughs> never mind all that. But with that in mind, um, it never felt jarring. Yes. Like there were definitely like again, the World War One episode, there were moments where they were trying to be funny, quote unquote, and they just felt like horrible. Like, it felt like somebody trying to crack jokes at, like, the funeral of your beloved dog, hamster. <laughs> I was trying the to think of a relative. of your beloved gorilla. <laughs> Fuck. With that, like, but it, it was more, it was, it was a genuinely needed, lighthearted couple of moments. And uh, I can't wait for Sir Isaac Newton to be this team's snarf. Um, but also a I gorilla. I don't think anyone listening to the podcast think... is going to understand that reference. Are you fucking kidding me? For real? It's fucking snarf. How, what do you mean they don't know what a snarf? Well, okay. I, how? Gu- Guys, Google what a snarf is, but don't I... Google it too hard because I feel like you're going to find something horrible. Um, I, yeah, probably actually. I, he's just, imagine like, imagine Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender, except. Unbearable. Obnoxious. Yeah, except except just unfucking bearable. Um, which is actually why the the Thundercats reboot. Gorilla Grodd is the Alf of Legends of Tomorrow. Stop! I'm fucking hanging. We've been we've been we've been we've been we've done two seasons of this podcast, and we're just now making our first Alf reference. And now I must descend to another planet. There was an animated Alf series. There, that was that was the thing. It had like a season. I just wanted you to know that because I found out last night and it like terrified me and unsettled me. Okay, well, thanks for fucking nothing. I think we should end the episode here. Yeah. So uh, on that note, um, thank you for listening, guys. Can't wait to see you for no more Nazis. Uh, I love yeah. you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Um, please, please do not teach gorillas to drive unless you are licensed to do so. Thank you. Good night. Good night.